do I still have to redact it, even though you guys are on record? It's called TFSCI. I think I'm a little nicer in real life than I am on Twitter. It's not hard. Welcome to Unredacted from the DSR Network. I'm Fully Perinus, and here with my co-host, Emily Brandwin. Hi there. Hi, Emily. Uh, and we're here today with Phil Ayer. Um, Phil joins a small group of guests that we have that are basically heroes in the making. Uh, we talked to J.D. Oh, Shelton. Oh, my goodness. Keep going, man. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to J.D. Shelton, who's going to be the guy who knocks off Steve King. Uh, Jamie Harrison, right. who's going to knock off Lindsey Graham. Um, we're going to talk to Phil Arbala, who uh, is going to get rid of Nunez. And you, my friend, are going to uh, cleanse the house of uh, Matt Gates. And The dishonorable one, right. We're going to cleanse the house of Matt Gates, and we're going to pull... Democratic votes out of the Western Panhandle here in Florida to flip Florida blue for the Electoral College purposes. I, I worked for Gore in 2000, so mentioning the Panhandle is a is a delicate subject. But we we need to give the <laughs> okay. four of you a nickname. Since you're, is it the Cleansers? Are you Ajax? I mean, you're you're. Don't do Cleansers. That feels a little too ethnic. Ethnic, yeah. yeah. But Ajax is you know removes hard and stubborn stains. That seems to be decent. Let me. I'm going to work on something because okay. there's got to be. It, it, there's got to be something there, but also no pressure that we're giving to you. So let's go through yeah, your yeah. life. So maybe let's, maybe we're maybe we're kind of doctors or therapists, uh, giving people <laughs> a way out of cancer. Um, supporting our cane, our campaign has been known to be a mental health therapeutic. Excellent. So it makes a world of difference to everybody who signs up. Joins our newsletter and uh, makes a small donation. Airforcongress.com. That's Echo Hotel Romeo. <laughs> F-O-R, Congress. Every com. few minutes, we'll insert that. Um, so <laughs> let's let's tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, and I'm probably going to miss something because you've been doing a lot. So you're U.S. Navy retired with the rank of commander, correct? Correct, and a Mustang at that. You were a Navy flight officer, and you were in the Navy for 26 years. You started out as a duty, seaman. But sometimes I say 28 because that's when they cut my hair. Go ahead. Uh, 28, well, including haircutting. Uh, you went from seaman Correct. to commander. You served uh, the Cold War, Desert Storm, after 9-11, in the Balkans. Um, you pursued the Wings of Gold, which you're going to have to explain to us in a few minutes. And you, on top of uh, being Naval ROTC at Tulane and Naval War College, um, You've been at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, but here, here's where, here's where it went off the rails for me. So I'm reading all this, and the next thing, and I'm I'm just awed. The next thing is that you taught chess <laughs> and coached chess for 16 years, and I audibly said, "Oh come on!" I'm like, as if the rest of it wasn't enough. You're also like a grandmaster. Do you play negative? Any- negative? No, 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 no. <laughs> I am a, an enthusiastic chess. Parent, I we uh, Sue and I raised some uh, girls who were very good at the game, and I just happened to be a parent involved. So we got in there, and one thing led to another, and next thing you know, I'm teaching in their school on weekends while I'm active duty. After I retired, I uh, head headmistress over in London, England, uh, had us come in, and me and another guy uh, teach uh, the entire school how to play the game, and we continued with teams, and then I progressed on to lesser. Um, privileged schools working with the charity, and it uh, got me in front of, sadly, the Russians and the Russian um, corruption that was in the World Chess Federation, and uh, still is, but uh, we had our battles. And, uh, Jeez, that's, they, that's have, to, they have to cheat at everything. I was going to say, <clears throat> we can't have nice things, Phil. Um, <laughs> and I'll tell you, you haven't lived until, you've, until you really get uh, into chess commentary. You know, you have this computer screen up or a live audience, and you get uh, and you go through the game with grandmasters and people who know what they're talking about because they make it entertaining. It's such a good tool for kids to learn how to think critically. You know, uh, have good sportsmanship without a roll of the dice, and it's just so good. You should make you should kids. make this uh, you should make this election pretty simple. Just 
uh, challenge Gates to a, a to game, a, a game yeah, okay. of chess. But you know, Gates would probably jump yours and say, oh my God, king me. I got checkers. Swallow the pawn or something. So you yeah. have, a, you ha- you're married to Sue Jenny and you have two, yes. two daughters, Jen and Claire. Are they very good? Are they Sue, Sue being Jenny Air, She goes by Air. Are they being? And, uh, yes, oh, Je- God, Claire. Air. Yes. <laughs> Did you? Um, are they being taught chess? They they are kind of uh, through it, uh, a rite of passage in their childhood. They are twenty two and twenty three years old right now. Uh, older one, Jennifer, is uh, in her first job. She's an engineer working on the London Super Sewer, a big co-op, a big. Uh, uh, tunnel that's being bored underneath the River Thames to take overflow sewage to clean up uh, London's river, and she's just having a great time. And younger daughter Claire is a senior at Valparaiso University in Indiana, and she is an English major, uh, travels around in their choir, and is doing just amazing work. Oh, that's very cool. And you, you grew up in Colorado? Or in, and then moved to uh, South bo- Africa? Born in Colorado, and we have... Uh, both my mom and my dad were high school sweethearts. They they married there, so we have family all, over there. All the you know, we have family in in North Denver, the area of Highlands specifically, but also other places. So I go there a lot, but I did not grow up there. No, we left when I was uh, my seventh uh, seven years old. My dad was in was working for a contractor that was part of the space race, um, and in this is the this is the mid sixties, early mid sixties. We, I spent my second grade in the Republic of South Africa, in apartheid South Africa. Mm. Saw some horrific and some exciting things uh, during that one year. And then we came back to the Washington, D.C. suburbs, where he continued his work and um, went on with a more part of life. Have you been watching uh, For All Mankind, the new series on Apple Plus? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. No, I, I do not good? know what you're talking so about. It's, it's a However, si- I did watch... Uh, Steve uh, Yeager break the sound barrier to get a group the other night. But go ahead. That's You're the guest. <laughs> you saw no, him break so the. What is this movie about? So it's a, it's a you know Apple just created their own sort of content and they have a couple of shows. One of it's called uh, For All Mankind, and uh-huh. the concept is if the Russians had beaten us to the moon, and it it opens uh-huh. in the first scene with Americans watching glued to their televisions and then. You see the hammer and sickle being planted, and that's when we learn that uh, that they beat us. And what what happened afterwards? I mean, it's it's obviously made up since we it's beat like, their ass there. Yeah, well, in that in that hypothetical, we would have come back as as resilient United States of America, and we would have demonstrated our our natural uh, ingenuity um, in, in other ways. Well. In, basically, the, you don't need to watch it since you just nailed it. The other, the <laughs> okay. only other aspect to <laughs> right, it cool. is that on their second landing, um, they brought a woman cosmonaut. So Nixon oh. was intent on getting a woman to the moon. So the subtext is how we had a whole, um, basically, Apollo program for uh, women aviators to become astronauts. It's pretty good. We're, uh, that, is, that sounds really good. That sounds great. Yeah. So, you know, I am a naval aviator, so one of the things dads do to their unsuspecting children is try to guide them into different places. So I, I, I was trying to get my engineer daughter to be interested in going to Mars. She looked at me and she said, Dad, there's no way I'm going to Mars. But what she wants to do and what she is doing is environmental work in the field of engineering. And the space race re- relates to that because we have over, you know, in these decades, found the edge of our Earth. And as we look down from satellites or from uh, manned space flights, uh, we know that we are pushing up against finite limits. It's one of the great strategic um, transformations we've had in this century is that unlike in previous centuries where the United States was there, it was abundancy everywhere, and you can just go to the next river or go to the next mountain range or go to the next plain and build something. And now we've found our limits. We found it in the atmosphere, in the sea, and and uh, well, that was a cl- now that an open system has turned into a closed system, and also the closed system of nation states has moved into the open system where you just can't keep information out. So uh, on top of, of everything else, around. it's it's flat. Uh, <laughs> I was going to just yeah, say maybe. thank you, uh, thank you for your service in the Navy, and when you said what you were mentioning about your daughter and trying to gear her into a direction. I feel you. My dad was in the Navy as well, and he was a doctor, and he was always trying to encourage me to 
be interested in that. It never happened, but I always right. appreciated the gentle urging. And then he saw that math and science were not really um, my forte and gave up the ghost very quickly. Before we well, get to well, the yeah. Matt Gates uh, bashing uh, <laughs> yeah. segment of the program, which will be 90% of it, can you tell us about um, joining the Navy? What made you join in, in your career? Well, I thought it was so. I I was uh, in my high school years in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is north of of, of D.C. And my job as a kid in in let's guess it was from eighth grade to twelfth grade. Uh, every morning, uh, stuffing the Washington Post paper with the inserts as you did and delivering it around. So I'd get up super early, and see the Washington Post and move it around. So that just got me, you know, looking at the metro section, looking at the front page, and doing the comics and on Saturdays I think it was and. Etc. So I was kind of in, infused with the news of the day from those years. Um, when it came around to high school, I was pretty okay in sports and and uh, academics and student government leadership, which is key, I thought, to my development as well as sports. Um, I thought, hey, you know, wouldn't the Navy be cool? Wouldn't it be great to fly off carriers? And wouldn't it be great to go serve our country as well? So there's two components to why I joined, the adventure of it, but more importantly, it was the mission of it, because I was already infused with the, uh, with the patriotism that is uh, seen just in the struggle of the day in, in our nation's capital and in the lives of people who are affected by laws and by regulations and by this, just the general uh, love of country. Or when our country makes mistakes, you know, having to struggle through that and, and correct the mistakes. So that's why I joined. And I went off to Tulane University on a ROTC scholarship. All right, here's my confession. I ended up flunking out of Tulane University in New Orleans. Yes, four Fs and midshipman air was given the choice of jail, conscientious objectorship, or uh, service at sea to pay it off. So I did go uh, to sea. Obviously, I was not having a good time moving from uh, Maryland to uh, uh, New Orleans. But I went to sea, got my degree, came back, uh, had a, uh, came to Pensacola in 1984, did my push-ups, had the drill instructor right in my face telling me uh, the, the honor code and everything else that goes into the precision and the performance required of naval aviation. Uh, went through that very well, got my uh, wings, and proceeded on a career a little bit on carrier-based aircraft, but then I transitioned over to uh, Navy reconnaissance. And there's a whole lot of stories that go along with that, but an amazing, blessed, and satisfying career from everything from the adventure of mixing it up with our Cold War adversaries to the places I got to go, the people I got to see, and the mission of, uh, of protecting our country and providing indications and warning as my primary warfare specialty. Is that... And we have a... Do you mean like E2C Hawkeye kind of reconnaissance? Or? No, okay, so the E2C Hawkeye has the dome on top, and that, that mission is completely different than ours. That mission is to control fighter aircraft in a battle or in their flying activities. Ours, our mission, and the mighty unarmed EP3 aircraft was, say, a crew of uh, 32, but in later editions it was uh, 24 or thereabouts. We would go out ahead of the battle group or on our own on nationally tasked missions on the edge and the periphery of the Soviet Union or other areas of uh, technical and intelligence interest, and we would get, we would listen. We would listen with electronic means, and we would have on board the expertise to uh, discern what's new, what needs to be warned about, and it was just old-fashioned reconnaissance um, that came, uh, that grew up in uh, World War II and probably before that, uh, through the Cold War, through the Korean War, um, my my squadron sadly had a uh, had an airplane shot down on Kim Il Sung's birthday. I think it was Kim Il Sung in the 1960s. So it, back then it was an EC-121 airplane went down in the Sea of Japan, and we all remember those those sailors and one Marine who uh, gave their lives for the mission of reconnaissance, protecting our country by knowing what's, what adversaries, adversaries uh, might be up to. And how long were... So that was my life. How yeah. long were, were the missions, the flights? Like, Oh, we used to say uh, uh, 12-0 or we don't go. means 12 hours. Wow. Uh, that was in the first version. But uh, later on, um, it was around 10 and a half or thereabouts, mid-level, 35,000 feet, 
or something like that, depending on the depending on the mission and our, our fuel load. And um, and of course, a, lie flat seats with personal uh, um, entertainment console. <laughs> Warm nuts, heated hand towels. Yeah. Okay, so let me tell you, as a young officer, so the Navy used to have uh, uh, recruiting slogans, you know, uh, Navy officers get um, get adventure quickly or get responsibility quickly. I messed that up, but they, it was really amazing to be a young lieutenant, uh, mission commander on an airplane, launching out of Atsugi, Japan, going into the Sea of Japan, and timing our launch so that we could be in position to collect a signal from a target new Soviet weapon system where they did not want us to be there. And we knew that, so we were playing this little cat-and-mouse game. And as a you know, young uh, 30s, early 30s uh, person with the responsibility to time the departure, organize everything uh, to include not just your own airplane, but the, the, the constellation of protection that goes along with that, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. And we get, um, we get uh, contested by Soviet fighters who are armed and who did not want us to be there. And thank goodness we had good diplomats that worked out a safety of uh, um, a protocol in the air so that we knew we could be in international airspace. And they knew we could be there, and they just, uh, they'd thump us and, and uh, uh, they'd harass us. But, you know, we were there, and we'd feign going home, so they'd get their sequence going on. We'd put the airplane back there and collect the signal, and we win. Where were you in the Balkans? More often than we didn't. Where did you uh, where did you serve in the Balkans? I was just curious. Okay, so I was that was a shore duty assignment. Well, a couple of things. One, I was flying from uh, our my second squadron, which was VQ two out of Rota, Spain, and we we deployed or we had a detachment out to different spots tor- closer to the closer to the area of operations. And so during that time, I would be flying missions up and down the Adriatic, basically looking uh, for. Uh, for signals of interest and providing indications and warning and general, general support to, uh, to the Joint Task Force. Later on, I was uh, detached from the squadron to fill a reconnaissance officer uh, position on the Joint, the Four Stars Joint Task Force, the U.S. Joint Four Star, excuse me, the U.S. Admiral's uh, Four Star Admiral uh, heading up the Joint Task Force that that um, uh, that commanded coordinated and commanded the U.S. assets in this NATO operation of allied force. So if you're in the academia of, uh, of uh, security, you'll know that there's literature on what allied force did right yeah. and what allied force did wrong. And I've got my own opinions, but sure enough, there's literature there. <laughs> well, I mean, Matt Gates should not be allowed to run against you. He has you. no clue of what's going on. But oh, I mean, this God. is just not, this is the equivalent of, of some candidate abuse. He should just throw yeah, in the towel. So, what made you want to run? What, what was, is this something it, that was always in your, in your blood or were you just, did you just have it and just say, I, let's, I, let's well, remind everyone, well, was, let's remind everyone first about who Matt Gates is. There cannot oh, possibly yeah, yeah. be okay. someone in the world who does not know who Matt Gates or is. Doesn't know but the, the hashtag. reason I want to say it is because it's just so uh, satisfying to go through it. So Matt Gates uh, was elected to the House of Representatives in 2016. He won in 2016. He's been serving since 2017. His biggest claim to fame is that he has a number of speeding tickets and DUIs. Um, he, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy with the abnormally large head who feels a need to break into various rooms in the Capitol. But my favorite tidbit was, like, I think we all know just from watching TV what Matt Gates is up to, but just for the hell of it, I, I Googled him today. And <laughs> it's like two pages of um, him being hit by uh, with a milkshake. The, the woman who did it, I guess, got like 15 days. And I'm yeah. just thinking about, you yeah. know, of the 435 members of the House, that's got to be the most pathetic, um, certainly the most pathetic Republican um, but, you know, jokes aside, he's done everything from bringing a white supremacist to the State of the Union. He has yep. disrupted physically um, the impeachment hearings uh, that he's position, right? not even a part of. He broke into the skiff yep. and brought his phone into the skiff. He's, he's, his mm-hmm. office has plagiarized um, 
legislation mm-hmm. from far-right yep. conspiracy forums. Uh, he's just pretty much a misfit. The only somewhat interesting tidbit I did not know is that, and you, maybe you know, uh, knew already, is that the movie The Truman Show with Jim Carrey mm-hmm. um, was filmed mm-hmm. in his house. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. Yep, yep. There's a great... Um uh, area called Seaside, which is an architectural um, landmark out in northwest Florida, out uh, past Destin to the east of Pensacola, past Destin, uh, not quite to Panama City. It's a really lovely uh, uh, marvel. And uh, yeah, he lived there. Mm-hmm. I can't watch the movie anymore. No, no, you don't need to. And because, okay, so gosh, so when I knock on people's doors, you know, future constituent stores, and I introduce myself and I ask them, hey, have you heard of Matt Gates? And if they say no, my shorthand is, hey, you're alive, so you know Donald Trump. And <laughs> Matt Gates is all about Donald Trump. And frankly, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite in almost every way. And then we get into a conversation. Um, Matt is, um, he descends into dishonorable behavior because you're right. He welcomes white supremacist sentiment into his campaign. Not just the person he invited to the State of the Union address, not just the white nationalist person he put on staff because the White House kicked him out. Uh, but there's just multiple indicators of that, multiple, you know, it's a pattern. It's, it's a thing. One of his latest uh, uh, data points on that score is at that town hall where this slushy was thrown at him. Before the slushy was thrown at him, he was inside, and there was qu- questions and answers from the audience. I was not there, but I've, I've seen it on, on film. Uh, a, uh, constituent from had just moved back to the district from Hawaii, had a question, Matt answered it, and the guy said, "Oh, I'd like to say something. Um, I just want to say that I moved back from Hawaii, and I'm just so glad you're our congressman, and you're just a wonderful person, and I'm tired, sick and tired of those Asians ruling us out there in Hawaii." Yeah. And Matt took, you know, it was, a, it was a setup for John McCain moment, right? You correct the guy, you tell him that we're all, you know, we're we're all Americans, and. But no, he was referring to the to the uh, uh, senator, U.S. senator from Hawaii, and others. And Matt just said, "Oh gosh, thank you very much. Glad you're back." Went on to the next person. So it just shows you his natural instinct is to bring in that element of uh, of, uh, of, of ignorance, of hatred. Uh, in this district, like in other places in the Deep South, you have the stars and bars flying in places of uh, on, on private properties in places of uh, honor. Um, and in the courthouse in, over in Walton County, uh, they've got the Confederate flag flying in a place of honor outside the courthouse, N- not, the, not the battle flag, but the, the, the uh, Confederate States of America flag. And it's just that kind of a place uh, that we are here. But there's, it's also, this district is also has the largest number of U.S. military and veterans of any congressional district in the nation. So we've got people who understand leadership, understand patriotism, and have just been, uh, just been hoodwinked by uh, the Gates and Trump uh, phenomenon. Uh, some of them very much like uh, Matt Gates because he's a fighter. And my, the thing, one of the uh, motivations that I've got is I just relish those opportunities that I can look my fellow veteran in the eye and tell them that they know that they are witnessing nothing like the leadership that they and I learned to live by uh, in, in the service. And they, at some level, they, they need to know that. Or they, they, they do know that at some level, and they're just uh, either ignoring it or they're on board, and we're getting more on board than ignoring it, I'm pleased to say. How do they reckon Russia, the whole idea that this whole conspiracy that Russia had nothing to do with meddling election in the military. I, yeah. I, I don't understand how you can even have that type of debate when it's so clear cut yeah. and to be able to defend someone like Gates or Trump who clearly have, you know, siding up to Putin. How do, how do they reckon that with you? How do they have that conversation and how do you have it with them? I would just think, you know, it's, it's in your bones to know what's right and wrong. Right. Well, if, a lot of people are different, but, um, let me tell you. Let me just tell you one more story, and then I'll try to answer the question because it is hard. Uh, I was at a, di- a dinner a couple weeks ago of 150 retired military officers and their spouses. They gathered to hear uh, 
author of a book called uh, Welcome to Putingrad. It's a 2017 production. The author is Franz Sedelmeier. He's a German. He was in town to talk about his book, sell some, and the the co-author happened to be happens to be resident in um, in our district, and he's of the opposite party. He's not a not a Democrat, and he he is uh, he kind of doesn't want to be pictured with me. He's that kind of a apparently uh, conservative Republican that is drunk the Kool Aid, and I just don't understand it. But so this talk went on when and Franz Settlemeyer from Germany was this very short talk, straight to the point. He knew. Or he was a businessman, went from Germany into the Soviet Union, at, or into the Russia as it was coming out and was selling off its assets. Kind of a Bill Browder story, right? He ran into the deputy mayor Putin in uh, St. Petersburg, had his uh, uh, had his interactions with him, which were, which were crooked, and he came out and he survived, and he wrote a story. And he, all the while he was talking, corruption is bad, corruption is bad. And the audience, the audience of these retired military officers and their wives were mostly wives, although there are some husbands around, were nodding their head up and down saying, yes, corruption is bad. But I noticed a little reticence in dealing with the actual uh, substance of what was being said. So Q&A comes around, and people are asking their questions, and I'm running for office, and I've got my, my badge on. People know me. I, I've been, I'm part of both of these groups that came together. So I, answer, I asked my question, um, Mr. Sadelmeyer, uh, nothing special on the question. Mr. Sotomayor, you know, there's money laundering going on. It ex- it's exploiting our financial system. That seems to me to be the, the, uh, the, the a frontier in, in national security these days. You've got London Financial District that's been the source of money laundering, or so it's been said, and very you know, commonly thought of money laundering for a very, very long time. And you have it coming into our country with a real estate market in New York City, the real estate market in Miami, and and even your own country, Mr. Sotomayor, we've got a bank out there that has some questions to ask or to answer. Uh, he's, he's, he was very sympathetic to the question. He said, you must mean Deutsche Bank. And I said, yes, sir. And so he basically, his answer was basically, well, prosecute it. Music to my ears. We've got to prosecute these things. Um, you know, the Panama Papers, yeah, find out how, how money laundering is happening and prosecute. Um, prosecute all kinds of corruption. Because I think corruption is a organizing principle, if not principle is not the right word, maybe organizing chaos of what we're up against as a country. Well, back to my dinner. So I was there. Another question was asked shortly after mine, and it was a rude question. The question was, oh, Mr. Sotomayor, um, you talk about corruption and you've been traveling the U.S. Have you ever been to Arkansas and hung out with the Clintons? Well, into that question spontaneous applause came from the audience. Uh. He answered, say, well, yes, I've been to Little Rock, and I've gone to a restaurant where the Clintons are said to have eaten, but no, I don't know them, and I've never met them. Uh, So that was an indication of, uh, you know, just the the, the, the one-sided Fox News conspiracy, you know, can't get over it kind of thing. And then Around my table of, say, eight people, this is a banquet setting, I sit down and I get starting to get peppered by, oh, what's your position on the wall? I don't like it. I want border security. We can do that without this monument to, monument to fear and a waste of resources, et cetera. Uh, what's your, they didn't like that. What's your position on sanctuary cities? I don't like unfunded mandates. You know, like, like Reagan didn't want these fe- uh, federally, federal unfunded mandates, and I want the local people to make decisions on their own. If you're going to have immigration uh, and customs enforcement come and, and you know arrest someone. Well, do it. Don't let them sit and and take up uh, take up resources from local uh, local um, authorities. And then they were just ragging on California, uh, wanting to throw up a north south wall on the Nevada border. You know, at that point, I'm thinking, hmm, time to actually calm this down because it was getting a little heated. And uh, so I went to him and I said. I know you're coming from these issues with a place of love of our country in your heart and patriotism. We just have different views about what's happening. We need to figure out why we have so, so many different views. And it's very, you're either broke to the left or broke to the right, and uh, let's work it out. But I know you're a patriot, and the same thing should be said about me. Silence. <laughs> they could not acknowledge my sense of patriotism. I've served just like they did. Our families sacrificed, you know, similar to the, everybody has their own story, but our family sacrificed as well. And it's, this is just an example of the type of hatred that we see. 
uh, here. But you can break through it. And, th- and that wasn't true of everybody in the room. There's, there's some admirals there that you're on both sides, including my side, our side. Um, but it is a huge challenge. Recently, during the impeachment inquiries, uh, when I, um, I'm working in our, in our, in our headquarters, in our office, and I go out for a coffee from time to time, and I'm having my, my car is all decked out with, uh, with my name on it and a U.S. flag on top, and so I'm very visible. So just in the last few days, I'm getting a lot more emotional responses to seeing me. And just I estimate two-thirds or thumbs up and one-third or thumbs down. But whichever way, it's very effusive. Um, so that might answer a little bit of the... the uh, of the, uh, yeah, it does. Of the lay of the land. What? Um, just to go back a little bit, what was the impetus yeah. for you? Because it, we're always we love talking to people who obviously are, are serving. I think it's it's such a noble, important important job. But for you, what what was it for you? It was it was seeing what's happening to our country. Um, uh, I, I reckon so. I, I was living. In uh, my last tour, my last tour in the U.S. Navy was in England, and I retired from there in 2008. Our girls were in their high school years, so I devoted myself to their activities and you know got involved in community activities there. My, uh, my wife is a professional; she had her own career that she reestablished when when we first got to well, actually a little bit before we got to London. But her income in my retirement was was enough to give me the the blessing to be able to be with our kids during their high school years, so I was, you know, involved. After that uh, was done and they're going off to college, my other activities were coming to natural conclusion, and I was getting just darn grumpy because that's when Trump uh, was on, coming on the scene. I never knew a thing about this guy, but I turned off British news, turned on American news, and watched his rallies. And I was just getting grumpier and grumpier, knowing what's been happening with Brexit, knowing what's been happening with uh, the old uh, Scottish independence movement, uh, over the, the airplane going down in the Donbass, the Crimea invasion, my exposure to uh, this information campaign going on by Russia generally with in, in my personal ex- uh, interaction with the, uh, with the World Chess Federation and Russians who, who uh, were part of that. Um, we, we pushed back against them, but we've lost. We, I, I happened to team up with Gary Kasparov in his I was about to, to say, to I was biting my tongue. I was going to say, have you sought Gary Kasparov's endorsement? Because you sound, I mean, other than the not being Russian part. Well, he, he, and, he and I know each other. Oh, wow. And I'm on his team. He and I know each other. I, I was on his campaign for the, um, uh, for the World Chess Federation presidency. So he, he knows me very well, and his people wow. know me very well. And He's I an entertaining his, tweeter. Uh, outright endorsement, no. But we're, we're working on it. I think he needs to see, like a lot of donors, like a lot of establishment people here in Northwest Florida, they need to see viability. They need to see viability measured by one thing, and that was cash. Um, I went up to D.C. at the beginning of this election cycle and uh, had 15 minutes with one member of Congress uh, on our side, and I won't mention who, but she was telling me, uh, you know, came in, we had 15 minutes with her, and it wasn't, you know, how do you do, what's your elevator pitch, none of that. No, it was coming into her office and saying, how much money have you raised? Uh, oh, I was prepared for that answer. Gave it. What's your plan for raising more? Gave that answer. And then an encouraging sign, or encouraging statement says, you show some oomph in your campaign and we'll get behind you. And Matt Gates is such a national disgrace and uh, embarrassment and reckless and dishonorable and all the rest that uh, I, I think we are going to get that, that support. Uh, and it's because of people like your audience coming in, in our case, it's a little bit of Twitter money, a lot of Twitter money, actually, of coming in as small donations into our campaign, building our list, and building momentum in the message and in the interaction in our our, uh, district and with uh, greater America. Because, again, uh, we're part of Florida, and as far as the presidential, if you're interested in the presidential election, uh, you're going to want to flip Florida. And we can bring a lot of people over from Gates voters to fill air voters, and that's what that's what we're doing. Uh, you mentioned Mate Gates uh, taking his little cell phone and charging into the skiff yeah. in the Capitol building. Let me just tell you that 48 hours after that event, uh, we had 3,000 new donations 
averaging $15. And that, for us, is a huge step up. And I know that other, other candidates that are on your, uh, on your guest list are maybe, maybe getting more scale, but we're right behind them. And um, we're going to do our best to work the Twitter machine, work our messaging, so that when the impeachment inquiry goes to the Judiciary Committee where Matt Gates sits and he can't avoid making a fool of himself, uh, we're going to be there to remind everybody that we can take him out well, because think, we can. He has his own negatives, as you know, from reading uh, Mother Jones or the New Yorker or the Washington Post expo- you know, articles on him and just, just knowing that he's, he's a Trumper. Well, it's important, as I think, especially you mentioned Twitter a few times, I think so many of us who don't live, obviously, in your district want Gates out because of the damage right. he's doing to our country as a whole. And so what's so important that you're doing is you're giving people an opportunity to make a difference who don't live in your district. Because by getting him out, by getting you know the Grahams out and the Steve Kings out and the Matt Gaetzes out, it, it's making a difference. And so it's, it's so important to get out there in the way that you're doing it. And also, Matt well, Gates supposedly likes being called a tool because of the hashtag <clears throat> Matt Gates is a tool. And I know that was probably really upsetting when you saw that that trended so many times. Well, it did raise some uh, some attention our way, and yes, the vanity metric of Twitter followers has has done good stuff for my my ego. But I recognize that it's 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 just that it's Twitter. We've got to be on the basics, and the basics for our campaign is an economy that's fair for everybody, the working people, children, and seniors. Uh, we you know we got Matt Gates following his hyperpartisan theory of economics, but these guys have not reduced the deficit. They've not reduced the you know the overall debt, and they're just spending, spending, spending. Yeah, so I don't want to be spending, spending, spending on you know defense issues and and uh, social issues too much because there is a risk in having such a huge debt that we're just taxing our kids. That's it's immoral. And again, at some level, people here, whether they be military or 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 uh, coastal uh, uh, people or uh, farmers up north in our district, they've got to understand the inherent unethical, uh, just the, the immoral immorality of, of borrowing from the future. And it's, uh, it's not good. A lot of people on the economic side are saying, oh, Phil, the economy is great. Look at the jobs. And my, my uh, retirement uh, account's doing fine. But, you know, if you look at the – that we're heading – we're auguring, auguring, in my opinion, uh, in my economic advisor's opinion, toward a downturn. And that downturn is going to affect people who are just resting on their – on their uh, retirement funds, it's not going to look good. And the question is, will that happen before or after the election? Um, probably before. And this notion uh, that if- um, that deficits are not as uh, deadly as people had thought over the years just strikes me as ludicrous. I mean, you cannot be borrowing a trillion a year and topping $20 trillion in debt and think that that is not going to come you know, haunting you at some point. It's been, you know, it's frankly, it's not just, uh, you know, on the right, it seems to be some kind of near consensus um, among economists. Right. But um, well, and and we we might be able to figure that out um, in Congress, if we weren't so polarized. And, you know, we got to the spending spree, because we needed the government to just keep going. And that was the easiest way for the president to move forward, without exercising leadership that we paid him to exercise. And that's uh, it's just awful. It's right. awful for all of us. So the day of the uh, storming the castle, as I like to call it, um, <laughs> that night I uh, I do Fox News occasionally, and I I don't find being on Fox News particularly problematic or hard even, um, but I do find being at Fox News uh, difficult, and in part because I just bump into you know the sluggers row of heinousness, including Matt Gates, And I've mm. been, I've been on TV with him once, um, a long time ago, about a year ago. And, uh, I just couldn't believe how big his head was, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he knows me <clears throat> and I was walking on set, <clears throat> excuse me. I was walking on set and he said, hello, Philippe. And I said, um, I said, Hey, are you and the boys, uh, planning on streaking through the quad tonight? Figuring, <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't like it so much. He mumbled something like a retort that I couldn't hear. But I was so proud of myself um, for my one little Present, dig at how mine. immature he is. Yeah. But there's, you know, Good. there are two whatever 198 I think Republicans in the House, and 
you know, it's come to the point where we all lob them in together, and I, I do that as much as or more than anybody. There are gradations, and oh, yeah. there are Absolutely. there are a very small number of people who are single-handedly destroying America, and he is one of them. He and Devin Nunes right. and Jim Jordan, um, you know, that's the core trio that have just lost their minds. Um, have you have you interacted with him? Yes. So the first time I met Matt Gates, I was uh, canvassing, knock, trying to find houses to knock on uh, registered Democrats' doors and seeking their uh, seeking their support. So I was in his hometown of Fort Walton Beach, and I don't really know where where it is. I'm looking for this address, and the addresses aren't clear. So I come up to this <clears throat> side road that's behind a strip mall. There's this truck coming right at me. It's kind of okay. So I pull over, I stop, and then this other car that's just come around around the corner, and it parked about five lengths behind mine. It outbounds this guy, and uh, it's Matt Gates. So I get out of the car over, and he, he uh, welcomes me to the race, and I shake his hand, and we have a few uh, mutually uh, um, standoffish words, and he goes on. So that's data point number one. Another time I met him was outside of Pensacola's airport. There's a, there's a nice uh, Spanish restaurant, a Tex-Mex restaurant, um, that I was preparing for some uh, uh, forum, and he comes around the corner, and sure enough, uh, he says hello and you know strikes up a conversation. But again, I say, Matt, you know, you and I disagree on so many fundamental issues uh, that uh, you know there's you got to get your head out of your ass. I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. But that was the tone of it. But we were inter- interrupted by some people in another corner that came up to him, oh, Mr. Gates, and shook his hand, and he did not look these guy, this person in the eye, uh, but he just kind of said, yeah, thank you, and then went off, and that, that person didn't recognize me. So I have a lot of name recognition to do, and uh, people's donations will help us get the word out. There's a viable candidate standing up to this guy, um, and we can take it. When you interacted with him, Philippe, did you uh, get the sense of a slick TV lawyer that he presents on television all the time, or did you get I, I some mean, other kind I, of persona? You know, I had seen enough of him before um, that I'd already had a pretty pretty set view of him. What's amazing to me is, you know, oftentimes when you meet these people in person, uh, they're more charming, they're funnier, they're warmer, it's harder to despise them. What's amazing to me is how many of them I have met or gone on air with or interacted with who are exactly as horrible as they are. And um, he's one of them. He just strikes me as very immature and um, a frat boy. Like, I can totally understand that he's, you know, had 16 speeding tickets and multiple DUIs. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to disparage people too much on their, on everybody's a child of God, but I did a little uh, research on his growing up, and, you know, my research uh, revealed that he was not himself a bully. He was not bullied, but he always craved friendships that were never re- never returned, huh. were very rarely returned. And he was also, you know, the, the, the rich son of a or the son of a rich person uh, who is active in the in the school board. And he uh, was running for, uh, I think it was a school superintendent in Matt's senior year of high school. And um, so, you know, he had this uh, superiority air and around him all the time. Now, I met his dad one time. And, you, you know, Matt Gates's story is not complete without recognizing he's part of a dynasty. Right? He came to the U.S. House from the Florida House of Representatives. So he first got there on a special election that, uh, you know, uh, rubs some Republicans around here wrong because they thought it was a nice setup for him. And uh, his father was president of the Florida Senate while Matt served uh, in the House of Representatives in Tallahassee. And when uh, Jeff Miller who was the previous congressman, uh, announced his retirement with about seven or weeks or so to go before qualification or something in that order. Uh, Matt was already geared up with volunteers, with fundraising to run his uh, reelect in the Florida House. He just shifted gears and had all the other Republicans who jumped in the race there in 2016. They were, um, they were flat-footed and they didn't like the apparent setup. You see, I guess, the Don Gates and and uh, Jeff Miller had, had a relationship, and it just doesn't look good for 
the, again, the setup. So a lot of Republicans don't like him. Another reason why we are viable, because he has his own negatives, whether it be with the EPA, his position. He tried to give away our beaches, our public beaches. Well, he's a climate for, To people for don't even live here. And it's, that really rubs locals uh, wrong on all kinds of ways and bipartisanly. Are you going to be debating him? Well, he, he, he has a pattern of not debating, avoiding debates, avoiding forums. His most viable Republican challenger in the 2018 uh, Republican primary was a flight school friend of mine. His name is Chris Dosev. He and I went to school, uh, went to Naval Flight School here in Pensacola long, long ago. He's a great guy. I love him. He's, he loves the president, so we, we don't see eye to eye on that. But, he's, you know, he's, he's an honorable but uh, misguided why was Gates primary? <laughs> but anyway, so he, so he, Gates, didn't come to places where Chris Dosev was or where I was. I got with him in two places. One is in the Baghdad Fire Department Forum, which is in the heart of uh, 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 Republican places. And, I, you know, we, we both had our time on the podium. And another time was at the public, radio, public television station here who had a, uh, a television event just before the election. So we, we kind of debated there. But it was very close to election day, and there's no time for anything to soak in. Well, we hope you do debate him, and I hope, I hope you can bring him out. I hope he will do that, which I have no hope that he actually will, but I think it would. No, he won't do it. He won't do he it won't on do his it. own. I actually think his, there's a good uh, his chance. Fu- his funders don't really have a, have a reason because they're all uh, – his funders are, are the powerful people in Pensacola and along the coast. And uh, or those those who are in the district anyway, and um, they're very comfortable with the with the arrangements. I think there's a good chance that he pulls a Jason Chaffetz and leaves Congress. <clears throat> I don't mean that you know next week, yeah. but yeah. he just likes the concept of being a congressman. He doesn't like the job. And all right, yeah, he's on. He, yeah, he said that he doesn't like he doesn't like the job. He, yeah, he I mean he's doing time. it. I think to, the Washington Post reported that. Yeah, right. he, he likes being cool. He likes going to the you know the Nationals game with the president. He likes sitting in the box, but that's going to wear thin. And someone's going to offer him, you know, twice, three times his salary. And right. I, I could see him. You know, I don't, I don't know if Trump's. Well, the matter is, people are listening. I tell them, hey, Matt, go, just go, <laughs> just go. Well, that's your job. Until he, until <laughs> yeah, unless he yeah. does it okay, voluntarily, go, that's your take job. It, take it and work for us. My frame of reference are the people here, not some guy's uh, legal problems in the White House, which is what he's all about. Well, how, so remind people how they can help you out and your website and your Twitter handle, and just how can we? Okay, how can we? How can all of our listeners help you defeat Matt? Well, thank you for listening. Go to our website. Uh, it's EHR. That's the spelling of my last name. It's a Prussian name. EHR, F O R, congress.com. Twitter is Phil Air, P H I L E H R. We're on Instagram with a similar and uh, uh, Facebook with similar as well. All, all, all those three were active. We're trying to get better on Instagram, so be patient with us there. But, That's a harder uh, medium. You can see us and follow, and that would be great. Donations would be wonderful through the website. It will help us communicate, it'll help us build. Uh, a prof- more professional organization. We we just hired a campaign manager, and I think uh, you might have uh, interacted with her, Emily. Yes. Um, she she's off of one of the presidential campaigns and has just given us all kinds of good. She's fantastic. Theories. Yeah, she's good, and we've got uh, people in D.C. helping us. Uh, yeah, in, in a number of people in D.C. helping us. So that's that's you know that's nice. What we need is people in the district helping us, and uh, we're working on it. I mean, good luck doesn't seem to be enough. Uh, we got no. Okay, when I say that, people in the district, guess what? The district, the Democratic uh, clubs and uh, executive committees in the counties, they are amazing. They're helping us get the petitions that we need to get our name printed on, get my name printed on the ballot. They have been really slogging it out there, interacting uh, with with um, you know with voters on door doors and on county fairs and other uh, Latino festivals, etc. And we just couldn't do it without great partnerships with, uh, with, with, you know, democratic activists who've been at it a long time. The part of the part of the limitation of that is, is we keep losing elections here, so people are a bit burned out. And uh, having a candidate be recognized as viable is a big boost to their morale 
and it brings in new blood all around. Uh, we have uh, our main lead organizers are mostly um, people who have not had a long history of uh, activism within the established Democratic Party, but they're working extremely well with them. Uh, last house party I had, we, I won't tell you how much we brought in, but I was very pleased, and it was all but one new people that I had met before in, in an area that was all thought, of be, uh, thought to be all Republican. But that's a little misnomer as well. It's not all Republican. A lot of people around here registered that way so they could vote and have a meaningful vote in the mm -hmm. county commission race because we just frankly don't have people willing to stand up and, and uh, run uh, as Democrats. Well, one other as thing. As much as we need to. Before we let you go, one other thing it's just popping in mind is you know, there, there are probably a fair number of people who voted for him in 2018 um, who are seeing a very different or a different Matt Gates while he's in the minority. I mean, as, as bad as he was <clears throat> in, you know, 2017 and 2018, he has gotten markedly worse in the minority. And, you know, hopefully people will see that, uh, you know, he's on a trajectory of, of not that he's already hasn't hit the bottom, but right. hopefully, you know, he's also somewhat running against himself uh, compared to is, is. who people might have thought. But anyway, again, if people, when people are looking at their, their bottom lines mm. about what's going to make their physical lives better, other than the mental health aspect of helping, uh, you know, the non-Gates person, is to recognize that I would come with credibility in the majority in the House of Representatives in order to ensure that we get a fair shake out of federal infrastructure uh, investments that we have our bases uh, protected. There's always rounds of BRAC going on. And unlike Gates, I have the credibility. And in the, in the, I've been in that business on my short tours. I was in the Pentagon and uh, worked, worked on General Colin Powell's staff and four-star staff in London for a long time as well. So I know the kinds of issues and what are the drivers to making things happen for bases, for strategy, for smart you know, smart national security. Not that I'm any great, you know, guru, because I know you guys have that kind of background as well, but I'm in, you know, yeah, but I'm we in don't, the ballpark. Here's what, the here's what we don't have. We, we don't have the guts to run. What you're doing oh, is oh, sure very, you very hard, um, and it is a real testament to you and to Democrats across the country who take on what is a very, you know, uphill battle. It is not easy knocking someone out of their seat. Um, well, your time on this podcast is uh, is a great, uh, great benefit to our campaign, and it's very it's encouraging. Pleasure. So thank you very much. Well, the next time you're back, it's got to be with uh, the word congressman in front of your in front of your name. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> we're going to go, and our we're going to go, and we're going to go forward with honor for Northwest Florida and for America. Thank Fantastic. You Thank you so much, Phil. Again, we're so thrilled you could join us, and we're excited for you. We're excited for your run, and we are behind you, and we're excited to just let everybody know how they can support you because it's so important. Your race is so, so important, and thank you again. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Emily.